That is some great news. Jesus Christ is alive. Let's say together as a church, worthy. Worthy. Do it one more time. Worthy. Worthy Worthy is the Lamb. He is risen. Let's say it together. He is risen. Wow. For, uh, For Christians, there is no other day like it. There certainly is no other Sunday like it. When we just are riveted on the most important moment in all of history, in the creation, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, last week was good. We had Palm Sunday last week. And uh, it made me think about this story about two donkeys on uh, the day after Palm Sunday. These two donkeys are walking along, and one donkey says to the other donkey, Hey, I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, yesterday I was going down the street. I had this guy on my back, and people were laying down palm branches and and flowers and saying, Hallelujah! And today, nobody even knows who I am. (laughs) And his buddy said, Well, you see, that's how it is, my friend. Without Jesus, you're nothing, okay? For Christians and for disciples around the world, we understand that this is all about Jesus. Everything we've been doing over the last few months is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not about us, it's about him. And what an honor and a privilege not only to worship him, but also to be able to follow him. And an Easter morning and an Easter weekend just helps rivet that into our attention. Martin Luther once said, Our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection not just in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. It's sort of baked into all of creation, this whole process of death and rebirth. It's so powerful. You remember, for those of you that read the Bible and study it, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, you know, this is the most important thing to think about. I delivered this to you of first importance from God and the Holy Spirit. And that is that Jesus Christ, you know, died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and then on the third day he rose again. This was the message of the early church. In the book of Acts, it says they were testifying to the resurrection. It says the authorities were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was powerfully at work with them. I don't know how you celebrated uh, Good Friday. Uh, Kelly and I made a kind of decision to do a couple things. I got all of my work out of the way in the first part of the day, and then the afternoon, the evening, I tried to focus on this whole idea of the cross, of Jesus dying for not just our sins, but my sins. We decided in the afternoon to go see a, a movie that was out. It was called The Case for Christ. It's a story about an uh, investigative journalist in 1980 working for the Chicago Tribune whose wife became a believer in Christ. They had an atheistic background and family, and it was very disturbing to this uh, man. And he, so he went into a uh, full, all-out mode, investigative mode, and he started looking under every nook and cranny of Christianity. He met with dozens of experts from uh, prestigious institutions like Cambridge and Princeton and Brandeis and recognized authorities in their field. And he was digging in because he wanted to disprove Christianity and he was told, you know, accurately that if you can disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it was a legend or an exaggeration or something that really wasn't historically true, everything about Christianity just sort of crumbles at that point or becomes like any other religion around. 
So he went after the questions. Is the evidence for Jesus' existence outside the Bible there? Are there compelling reasons to believe in the resurrection that it was an actual event? It was a, it's a great movie. I highly recommend it, whether you're a believer or not. Even, even the, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 76, and that's like all world for a Christian movie or a faith-based movie. Even they liked it, but not everybody's a fan. I also did a little research and looked on some of our news, um, you know, our major news, uh, you know, blogs, and here's a sampling from one blog talking about Easter and Jesus. Let's not kid ourselves. Everybody's not a fan, right? It's a story made up so Christians could persecute Jews. They blame the Jews because they love persecuting them. This is all right in a row here on this blog. All the story was made up, all of it. No evidence that any of it happened. Find God. I never met him. You found him. Where exactly does he hang out? No, they imagine him. They find what they imagine. No one can honestly conclude the Bible's true, especially the fact that so much is proven false, such as the myth of Adam and Eve, the myth of Noah, etc. Proven false. There is no evidence that any gods exist. If your mind is strong, you examine science. If it is weak, religion's for you. And all these continue on, each one a different person. Here's the last one. Believe what you want. Whatever gets you through your life, as the song goes, I'd rather do something more productive on a Sunday morning than sit in church talking to myself. Another side benefit is I get to keep all of my money. News for him, nobody gets to keep all of their money. April 15th and your death would stamp that one pretty clearly. <laughs> There's a corollary to all of this, of course, to this kind of thinking. Change the world, love God, love people, change the world. Well, the world is just fine the way it is. I mean, aren't we making it better every month that goes by? Technology, artificial intelligence, gene engineering, Amazon, Netflix, Tesla. We're going to have heaven on earth. That's a story that's been played over and over and over again, you know, from uh, century to century. But for God's Easter people who love God, love people, and have on their heart to change the world, this is not just the message but the reality of Easter, that it can change my life. The resurrection can change your life. It can change the Strobel's life, the uh, investigative journalist and his wife we talked about before. It can change our heart. It can change your family. It can change your insights. It can change your mental health. It can change your happiness, your peace, your eternity, your legacy, all of it by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of it with the implications and the power that can flow, not only 2,000 years ago, but into each one of our lives as we're given His Holy Spirit in that way. This morning, we're just going to look at three very simple statements. One, remember me. Second, it is finished. And thirdly, He is risen, as we briefly consider this impact on this Christ, uh, uh, Easter morning. Okay, let's take a look. Uh, before we go to Sunday morning and Easter, you've got to take a look at Friday. You've got to take a look at Good Friday. Remember me. Now, this is a pretty powerful statement. If you're following along in your Bible or choose to, you can turn over to Luke chapter 23. And where we see this riveting statement in the context of what's going on in Jesus' life on that dark Friday, as, as the statement is made, remember me. I'm going to start reading in verse 32 of Luke chapter 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. 
When they came to the place called Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. And they divided up the clothes by casting lots. The people were watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up, and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, hey, if you're king of the Jews, save yourself. There's a written notice above him, and it read this. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Don't you fear God? The other criminal rebuked him and said, since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. On that terrible, depressing Friday 2,000 years ago, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. Powerful members of the religious and the political and the military community colluded to strip him naked, to beat him, to mock him, to scourge him, to crucify him. And yet 2,000 years later, Christians who believe that Jesus is the Son of God celebrate that dark day by calling it, of all things, Good Friday. Why on earth would Christians call this day Good Friday? Well, it was a pretty good Friday for that guy. Today you will be with me in paradise, Jesus said. But it was a an horrific day for most everyone around them. I know campus students, you saw part of the movie The Passion on Friday night. Kelly and I saw on Thursday night, uh, again, uh, The Risen, a movie, recent movie a year ago. And, and all of these, uh, particularly these modern films, depict just the horror and, you know, just you don't even want little kids to see this. It, it was so brutal. It was so terrible. It was so wrong in every way. Jesus is hanging there, and his life is almost over. He has his brief conversations with one of the two thieves hanging on either side. It's interesting because Matthew says in his account, both thieves were mocking him and sneering him that's how it started off at the beginning of the crucifixion but as time went on and this thief that had a decent heart okay and saw what was going on and was impacted even in Jesus incredible suffering was impacting by his spirit and his heart and his life he realizes we are messing up you know this guy has done nothing wrong there's something about him that would say remember me Jesus when you come into you your glory Luke tells us the rest of the story with a clock ticking down on this man's life. This thief had a sudden change of heart and he made a simple, humble, heartfelt request. Jesus, remember me. From the outside, this guy's a low-life, common criminal attempting a desperate deathbed Hail Mary. All he could really muster, because when you're crucified, you can hardly breathe and he could just barely get out the words, remember me. This morning, it doesn't really matter what we look like on the outside, how we're behaving, you know, in front of our friends and our family, what we say, even what we think. Maybe you rarely go to church and, and Easter is a time out of respect, 
you know, for the, uh, the, the event, for our tradition, for your family, for a friend, that you're here. Maybe you're reluctant or you didn't even really want to come or you certainly aren't motivated particularly to come next Sunday. Maybe you're a believer who's insecure about your walk with God or even your salvation. Maybe you're studying the Bible right now and, and your eyes are being open to what it means not only to believe in Jesus but what it would mean to follow him and truly be connected you know, with him. Maybe you're considering something this morning as monumental as your eternal life and where you're going to be forever. Maybe it seems intimidating or confusing to you. Maybe you're not even sure exactly where to start. Start here. Remember me. Just say it to God. Say it to Christ. Remember me, Jesus. Help me. It's called Good Friday because when powerful men were conspiring to kill Jesus, God himself was in that act working to save the world once and for all. When everybody's conspiring to take his life and, and just perpetrate history's greatest evil, God's working about to bring out the greatest good ever done, not just for the world, but for me and for you. Secondly, it is finished. John 19, 28. Knowing that everything had now been finished, the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge with it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it to Christ's lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. On the cross, Jesus suffered, paid the penalty for our sins, bridged the gap between us and God, and died for us. It's, it's amazing. Unlike other religions, Christianity is pretty straightforward about this. It teaches that all of us were born with a tendency to sin, that we actually break God's law and rules and commandments pretty much continually. Because God is the universal king and the ultimate lawgiver, our sins are mutinous, they're rebellious, and they represent an attempt to steal his kingship or lordship you know, in our life. The Bible teaches us that in all of this, all of us deserve death as a penalty for this law-breaking. This is very difficult for a modern man or woman to accept, but this is the message, and it, 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 Christianity stands very much alone in this, but being very straightforward about it. However, God has done everything he can do and more to remedy the situation. He took our place. Our sins were passed over on Good Friday in the cross. This is why the dominant Christian thought for you and me ought to be gratitude, right? Joy, peace, worship, celebration, a sense of genuine worth because the one who was worthy willingly took our place on the cross so we could, could be with God and with him forever. That is amazing. However, it's, it's, I used to think, oh yeah, Jesus died on the cross so I wouldn't have to. Not exactly. You see there, he took our place for our sins, but there's a cross for me and you. In Luke chapter 9, 23, there's a cross for every believer who decides to follow Jesus. And you remember the passage, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it, but if you lose it for my sake, you will gain it. We're going to end this service today with a moving song, I've decided to follow 
Jesus. This is important because as we leave this room in just a few minutes, we all got a decision to make. What am I going to do with this? Am I going to keep just admiring or looking into this or being interested or not? Or am I going to uh, believe in this? And if so, to what extent am I really going to believe? Am I going to believe enough to make a decision to follow Christ and to take up a cross with him and to trust him? that he's going to be able to work out everything in my life in just the most amazing way because he is the one who is worthy. He is the one who is risen. He is the one with the power. The next point and final point will make it easier to make or renew that decision for each one of us. Remember me. It is finished, and he is what? <laughs> he is risen. Let's just look at one last passage in Matthew chapter 28, all right? He is risen. Hey, what if this is just the first chapter of, well, what if this is just the first paragraph of the first chapter of, what if this is just the first sentence of the first paragraph of the first chapter of, what if this is the first word of the first sentence of the first paragraph of the first chapter of the story that God is writing for me and you and our family? What if this is really just the beginning? What if this is really just the preface? That is the promise of Easter. That is the promise of the resurrection for all who will follow him. He's alive. Everything we do flows from this. Our faith, our baptism, our prayers, our church life, Generosity Sunday, family groups, all of it flows from the fact that he is alive. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, after the Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love this little passage, and I wish if we had time for a full-on sermon, we'd talk about it a little bit more. Angels are pretty frightening, right? I mean, you can see how the soldiers react to it. And all the time in the Bible, angels are frightening. They are scary. And this angel shows up. He rolls back this stone, this miracle in and of itself. And what, is the, what does the angel do? He just sits down. So how you doing? I don't know. He crosses his legs, hanging out. Maybe gets Starbucks. I don't know, you know. He's just chilling out. Greatest thing in the history of the world. Just hey, He just sits down. That's interesting. We'll save it for another day, okay? His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards, they were so afraid of him, they just shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he lay, and then go quickly tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him I have told you so. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. It fell to this angel to make the announcement. We remember the announcement that Christmas morning, those angels proclaimed. Came to this one angel. There are actually two, but one spoke. It, it, it's, his, it's his privilege and responsibility to make the announcement. It is risen. He is risen. It's three words in English. It's one word in the Greek, ergathe, ergathe, a single word in the Greek language. Can you, can you muster that, ergathe? Can you say that? Ergathe. Say it again, ergathe. Let's do it a little louder. How about 
Ergothe. Like an angel might do it. Ergothe. He is risen. When Matthew first wrote that word, it descends from a family of Greek words that mean to awaken. An odd word for a cemetery. Wake up! Awaken! Normally a cemetery is a place for a sleep of death. But the ground, it did begin to rumble that day. The tombstones, the rocks, they began to shake. And out he marched, Jesus Christ. A mask of death in one hand and the keys to life in the other. And all of heaven and creation and earth proclaimed Ergothe. And so do we this morning. Worthy is the Lamb, he is risen, and he issues his promise. What God did with Jesus' grave, he will do with yours and mine. What God did with Jesus' body, he will do with yours and mine. He will resurrect it. He will make it immortal. The end of our story when we face death? No way. Only the beginning. You bet. He takes what we think is the final chapter in our life, even in the challenging things we go through, from month to month he takes that and he turns it around and he makes it powerful and he makes it only the beginning he turns it into a preface of a story a much grander story that's going to be written over eons of time yeah we're all going to face death it's a scary thing unless Jesus Christ returns first we're all going to die but we don't have to face it alone do we or in fear Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, though he, he, though he dies, he will live and never die. Jesus, all who believe in me will never die. Question this morning before we close out, do you believe in Jesus? Then you'll never die. Yeah, your body will pass through a little period of transition unless he returns first. Everybody in this life is telling us how to improve the quality of our, of our life here. Have you noticed? In these next few years, we're going to walk this planet. You know that we inhabit this body or this tent, and the truth is we've barely gotten started. But we can only learn that through Jesus. What a discovery. That's what sets him apart from everyone who has ever lived. Jesus Christ has a remedy for the grave. All who believe in me, Jesus said, will never die. Do you believe in Jesus? How much? Enough to trust him? Enough to follow him? That really is what Christian baptism is all about. Christian baptism, it says, saves you because it connects you with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It tells us in Romans chapter 6, you know, that we're buried with him in baptism and we're raised to walk in newness of life. Many people have gotten baptized this week and Lindsay will be baptized in just a few minutes this morning. Connecting to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's a scary thing to die to your old life and trust him enough to believe it's going to go in a tremendous way for you. Yeah, we believe in him, but can we trust him with all of our heart? There you have it. Three simple statements. Remember me, it is finished. He, Jesus Christ, is risen. Ergothe. Let's keep telling the story. I believe our world desperately needs a new generation that will help Jesus, the cross, and the resurrection, the Easter message, real, relevant, and compelling to this generation. Because only the cross and only the resurrection can make all of this church stuff make any sense. I hope and pray the North River Church of Jesus Christ will help lead the way. 
because we do believe, even though it's as controversial as it ever has been, that he is the way, the, the, the truth, the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. Without the historical reality of the resurrection, statements like that are whimsical. But if the message of Easter, the cross and the empty tomb is true, then like the early disciples, Mary Magdalene and Peter and the others, let's proclaim Ergothe, he is risen. And as we take communion, as Jesus said, whenever you do this, you take this bread, you take this juice, remember me. Let's pray together for our communion. Father in heaven, words completely are inadequate to say thank you. Father, help us with a humble heart, a grateful spirit. Take this communion remembering Jesus died on that cross so it could be finished. And Father, that we can look forward to sharing this celebration with you one day in heaven. In Jesus' name, the resurrected one, we pray. Amen.